Hello everyone, welcome to You, Me, Them, Everybody. My name is Brandon Weatherby. This episode with Jason Dick is sort of about week seven of the Chicago Bears 2020 season and a loss on Monday Night Football to the Los Angeles Rams in their brand new stadium. It was a game that we watched together. This is the second game in the 2020 season that I've watched with another human being. Outside, socially distanced, very, very safe. Outside in a yard with fire between people. Not a great game, not a great year, and that's why we now have a Patreon account. Please consider donating at youmethemeverybody.com. It's in this podcast description, and it's also on our About page. It's in every podcast description pretty much since this began in March. We've been doing this show roughly five days a week, Monday through Friday, and uh, we used to do it live in front of people. And those shows were great, and people would offer to buy us beer because, you know, that's what we would do, or we would charge $5. Well, we're not charging anything, and there's no beer to buy. So consider donating a beer a month. Uh, depending on where you are, that could be as low as $3. Uh, it could be as high as $30. I don't know where you live. You could live somewhere very, very fancy, like in the brand-new Los Angeles stadium. Here's the episode with Jason. So every week, or most every week, I watch a sports documentary with Jack Inslee, and uh, we're in the midst of watching Nowitzki, The Perfect Shot, about Dirk Nowitzki. And I'm watching it on Tubi, which is a new video streaming service. And it's all free, and the gimmick is you have to watch ads, right? So whatever. Okay. The ad that played after eight minutes of Nowitzki, The Perfect Shot, was for Thursday Night Football, Bears versus Bucks, a game that happened over two weeks ago that we watched together. <laughs> <laughs> so now we've seen two NFL games this season. These are the only two NFL games this season I've watched with another person. Did you find it different from the Thursday night experience to the Monday night experience? Yes, for for sure. Both so? in uh in in both form and content. Um I, I for, first the kind of uh form um I, I mean, I'm not a student of uh, of of all of this that much. I mm-hmm. haven't paid that much attention, but I felt like the broadcast, the Monday Night Football broadcast on ESPN, felt um, just kind of lifeless a little yeah. bit. Um, I mean, nothing against Steve Levy and Brian Greasy, um, you know, but like it just didn't pop, you know, in 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 the same way. Um, I don't even remember actually who was calling the Thursday night football game, but I just felt, I felt more engaged. Well, felt like actually- it was, uh, if memory serves correct, it was arguably the best duo that Fox has. It was Joe Buck and Troy Aikman. Oh, okay. Yeah. There so you go. that mean- could have something to do with it. Another thing that could make something a little bit weirder is this is in a brand new stadium that's indoors in Los Angeles. And even the sideline reporter commented, like it is incredibly quiet here. Right. And right. that's different. SoFi Stadium yeah. in Southern California. Yes. Which sounded to me like a, um, a Fitbit company type company, uh, not not a bank, which you explained to me it was yeah. a bank. <laughs> so obviously this game was not as entertaining as the Bears-Bucks game. Even if you're not a Bucks fan, that game at least was down right. to the wire. This was pretty much decided within like the first three minutes of the third quarter. Right. And, and, you know, that, and that gets to the whole, the content part of it, which was that not only was the, the Bucks Bears game, a better game in, in general, and just how it was played that, you know, like you said, it went down to the wire. This one was not, the, you know, the Rams kind of ran away with it uh, starting in the second half, but 
you know, the, the Bucks Bears had the Nick Foles, Tom Brady mm-hmm. uh, drama. It's always good to have, you know, two two people you can sort of latch on to as, as the premier players. And I just didn't feel like I, – I don't know if I even heard Nick Foles' name said once <laughs> uh, outside of just Foles drops back. You know, yeah. Or like there was one little package about him, but, I mean, this game was so dominant for Los Angeles. I don't – really blame ESPN for not highlighting Foles because like what are you supposed to do when you're barely on the field and the times you are on the field you you can't score a touchdown right, right. so are you glad you watched the game um I it was fine you know <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm glad um I'm glad I didn't have to make a um a choice between like you know one of the NBA finals games or um, you know, a World Series game. You know, it was an off night for the for the World Series. So, you know, there were no tough choices involved. So, it for was, any time for this Monday night football game to be programmed, this was a pretty good one. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And and you know, normally, like right, football has kind of the the schedule to itself to begin with. You know, mm-hmm. we're just getting we're clearing all this like kind of the the COVID season brush yeah. now. You know, like you know, everything is has been late. Well, baseball is actually around its you know, regular, regularly scheduled time uh, to wrap things up at the World Series. But the NHL and the NBA, you know, and, and MLS, you know, all clumped together at once was, you know, you know, made for some tough choices. But le- you're right. I mean, like this, this was the night to watch a game that wasn't that good a game. <laughs> I'm not entirely sure if I'm just conflating all of the broadcasts because whenever my kid is asleep and there's a football game on, it's probably on in the background in my house. Um, yeah. I'm the one watching it, not my wife. But I've seen the Pete Carroll ad to get out and vote probably a hundred times at this point. But it just made me realize yet again, I'm watching this in a bubble, which is Washington D.C., and I'm coming from a different bubble, which is Chicago, and that team is playing in a different bubble, which is Los Angeles. And those are three places across this great country that are entirely blue since I've been born and they show no signs of turning red and it seems like a pointless endeavor to get any Chicago or LA fan to vote like cuz you don't matter <laughs> yeah well i mean i think that you know in in general i think that you do well as a political party um when you're when you get everybody out yeah. and you get everybody excited i think that the times when different uh when when democrats have struggled is when they just sort of seed you know every every race that they don't think that they can oh sure yeah 2016 i get it i know where you're going with this well and not just 2016 but i mean you know like the i think the the bit one of the biggest you know most significant sort of conflicts in the early 2000s was between howard dean when he was dnc chairman Mm -hmm. and rahm emanuel when he was a house democratic conference chairman and and uh, and ds uh D triple C chairman. And, you know, they, they, they fought over where to spend money because Dean wanted to run quality candidates in every state. Uh, you know, he, he thought it was important to talk to the democratic party in Alaska, even if there wasn't that much of a chance. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and, 
Emmanuel, your, uh, you know, your former mayor in Chicago, I mean, he wanted to concentrate, you know, his resources in, in just the places where he thought that they had a better chance. And, you know, they, they kind of fought to a draw, but in general, Dean got a lot of his ways. And 2006 was a huge year for Democrats. You know, they, they won back the House and Senate. Um, and then they, you know, they built on that in 2008 with Obama's win. And I think that a lot of that was due to the fact that people didn't feel written off. And I think that that has an effect. And so even if like it's in a place like Chicago or a place like Los Angeles, I mean, you you want everybody to feel like they're a part of it in politics. Um, and and when you just write off a city, you know, if, if you're a Republican and you're writing off cities, and if you're a Democrat and you're and you're writing off rural areas, I mean, you're you're eventually going to be in trouble because what you want is a broader um, appeal to people. Oh, sure. Um, speaking of appealing to people, you your most recent piece in Roll Call was about a super vote center, which is Nationals Park. There's a handful of other super vote centers. Super vote centers are anything that are described as, I'm reading from your piece right now, anywhere that were 100 or more people could vote, correct? Right. At a right. time. Right. So, so early, there's there's 32 early vote centers, and, and they, they try to keep it to 50 uh, t- at a time, mm-hmm. uh, and the super vote centers can can double that. So in D.C., it's Nats Park, Capital One Arena, home to the Wizards and Caps, um, the Entertainment and Sports Arena, which is not that far from you, actually. It's just over. Uh, it's in Anacostia. Over the river. That's where yep. the Mystics play. Uh, there's Doc 5. There's the Omni Shoreham Hotel, etc. This is a city that went 92% one party in <laughs> 2016. And I'd say, I don't think it's controversial to say that the most interesting thing in all of dc politics right now is the one initiative to legalize or to put to vote for the council to legalize magic mushrooms yeah basically that's the thing that's what we're all voting for yeah i mean like if i mean if you could sort through the 20 some odd uh people running for the two at at large council seats, you know, for independents slash Republicans, you know, it's basically that, you know, they have the DC council is set up so that some of the at large county, uh, the at large council seats go to people who are not Democrats. So you get a lot of Democrats who say like, I'm an independent. Like, wink, like wink. Who, I, I think she's the front runner, but she comes from Schumer's office. She's running as an independent. Yeah, Christina Henderson. Yeah, yeah she's uh, and and she also was you know a former uh, chief of staff for uh, or deputy chief. She, she was a top aide for David Grasso, who was uh, an, an at large. I mean, it's it's it is this thing where you know the the Democratic Party is so dominant in Washington D.C. politics that you have to figure out ways, you know, so that you know you you inject a little bit of competition in there. Um, but I mean, that's a it's an interesting race, you know. Like there's you said Henderson, uh, there's the incumbent Robert White. Uh, there's a there's a guy who ran a couple of years ago. This guy named Marcus Goodwin. I mean, there's just a there's a big slate. It was it took a while, you know, for my wife and I to sort of think about like, wow, who are all these people, mm-hmm, and to mm-hmm. kind of read up on them. In D.C., it doesn't matter, and I'm not trying to sour voting experiences. I've already <laughs> voted. Everyone I know that has, that can vote has voted. I'm not knocking voting. I'm bringing this up because in most other places around this country it will matter a lot more. And some of these football stadiums will be used as early voting centers or voting centers. Um, I'm pretty sure where the Washington football team plays is going to be one. Am I correct? Uh, I, I don't know. They're in Maryland. Uh, so that didn't yeah, make it. Yeah. It's a uh, Fe- yeah, FedEx field yeah. Um, out in, in Landover, Maryland. Um, I, I don't know. 
I'm bringing this up because I do think that some of the people that we've seen on screen might have enough sway to just per just push certain people over the line where it could matter, where it could be a wave, or it could be the opposite of a wave. Um, right. Do you think athletes, specifically in this election cycle, have a chance to do that? I, I mean, I think that they certainly i don't know if if it's so much you know somebody like lebron james saying vote for joe biden but lebron james making sure that nba teams are you know like more inclined to open up their arenas mm-hmm. uh to to facilitate early voting and safe voting i think that does have a big effect and yeah. i think that that that's that's the kind of thing that you know like the boots on the ground kind of stuff registering voters you know kind of like you know the the, the way that, you know, LeBron and the NBA had an effect on on the pandemic is that they helped develop a, like a, a spit test, you know, for de- detecting COVID that they're, you know, trying to help make available to the population. It wasn't get tested. Mm-hmm. I mean, it wasn't like, hey, be safe and be tested. I mean, like that stuff kind of goes over our heads, like because we've listened to PSAs for as long as, we, as we've been alive. Um, but like helping develop a, a, a rapid testing agent yeah. that's just as just as effective as anything being used at the White House or, you know, or the Apple store or for that matter or anything like that, that has a real effect. And I think that that is that's the kind of situation where they will they can have, you know, the, the, the sort of, uh, you know, a, a effects. And, you know, it's some maybe it's a little bit of a crapshoot about, you know, who the people in that area will support. I mean, most cities, as you said, are, are pretty democratic. Um, you know, the Heat, the Miami Heat wanted to open up their arena uh, to early voting and the mayor of Miami-Dade uh, said no. He also happens to be a Republican and he also happens to be running for Congress. Yeah. So, um, but, you know, that's the kind of thing that can backfire on him, too, because yeah. if people say like, oh, wow. So other people get to be safe, uh, but you, but we don't. And what does that say? It means that you're trying to keep us from voting. Yeah. I don't know how this is going to play out. And I just, rule changes matter. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. Redistricting matters. Absolutely. I know that that there's no sports equivalent of redistricting, but changing rules matters. And every time you think you're changing the rule for your side, it probably will benefit you for the short term. And in the long term, it all evens out. Or I'd like I, I, to tell myself that. Well, I mean, I think that it's, I mean, if if people were thinking if, you know, Miami, uh, you know, and, and Florida and so forth has been hit pretty hard by COVID, if people, you know, were thinking like, oh, cool, we'll have like, you know, more options mm-hmm. than standing in line at like the cramped rec center, you know, or elementary school where I normally vote, like, you know, maybe we can open up like the, you know, the, some of these stadiums and facilities, which by the way, are primarily uh, financed by public money, or at least with public and built with public incentives, uh, bonds and so forth. Uh, and then, you know, somebody who has a vested political interest in the outcome, you know, puts his or her finger on the scale to say, nope, or yep. Yeah. That can make people think like, hey, what what's going on here? Yeah, absolutely. Um, do you feel like this next week of NFL f- football is going to feel odd because of the election? Yeah, I mean, but I guess like in what's odd is that, you know, like 60 million people have already voted or something like that. So, so, I mean, you know, I, you know, in, in like 
our copy at Roll Call, I try to avoid saying the November 3rd election or having people write the November 3rd election yeah. because we are in the election. I mean, November 3rd is election day, mm-hmm. but that is becoming less of a factor than people mailing in their votes on time and, you know, making sure that they vote early or things like that. So when so many people have already voted, I mean, maybe that it'll be tense because it'll, it always feels more way more tense the weekend before the election. Mm -hmm. But the reality is we've been dealing with this all along. I don't disagree whatsoever. I I, I should have rephrased that. Do you think it will be, do you think that there's, it feels weird to watch anything that's not, coverage of the 2020 election or i i feel like we're all waiting for it to be over does that make yes. sense yes yeah it's like the it uh, it's it's like the end of like return of the king you know there are like 10 endings and 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 it's just like okay we got it like can we just like can we just end this i mean you know sorry to lord of the rings like fans out there uh but like that was one of those things i i hate it when you you have to you feel like you have to hang around for an ending where you already know what's happening or whether you've already contributed to it. I mean, and I have this thing about like sitting around till the very end of the movie. And that's uh, what <laughs> reminded me of last night's football game. Cause that's how it felt from pretty much after one hour of watching this thing. Like, you know where this is going, but yeah. I'm holding out hope that the bears could pull this thing off. They clearly aren't. It doesn't matter. <laughs> I'm watching it till it's over. And also, you know, when, when you're hanging out with your friends, like mm-hmm. we were doing, you have more of an incentive to hang out in that and, and to be, you know, and to watch it till till the bitter end. And but I'm not going to lie, I'm, even if you weren't there and I was watching this at home alone in the basement, I would still have watched it to the end. Yeah. <laughs> because I, and I don't know if I would have done that if it wasn't an election year. Yeah. I don't well, know I, if I would have done that if, there, if also the world has been shut down if you're a responsible person. Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm just happy that I was able to drink some of your beer you know, <laughs> <laughs> for for this uh, for this situation. You know, <laughs> I uh, I know this is a pointless hypothetical. Most hypotheticals are, but I am convinced that if there was no sports right now, there would be a landslide. Biden would have already been announced the victor. <laughs> really? Yeah, what, yeah. What made What makes you say that? Because even that little divorce from the reality of living through a coronavirus whilst players are getting diagnosed with having coronavirus and the stadiums are empty is such a good distraction that it makes people not think about politics completely for however long that game is. Yeah. No, I mean, I, I was starting to go a little batty watching like the 1987 NBA finals exactly. and NBA hardwood classics. I mean, I was ready for, I was ready for some sorts, even as weird as it is with the fake crowd. Mm-hmm. And, you know, like the, the, um, the thing that I, uh, I hadn't seen when I, when we were watching Monday night football last night was they went to like the zoom screen of fans, mm-hmm. whereas, you know, different, you know, d- different, leagues have tried different things you know fox had like the virtual fans in baseball and then they realized that people were getting like you know vertigo or whatever from from watching that um and then they just went with like sort of the fake crowd noise yeah. and and paper cutouts the nba had like the virtual fans you know in it at the uh the disney facility so i mean it it was all it, it is weird like and you know I, I hope we never have to you know <laughs> do this again um but it is it is nice to 
watch actual sports you know for you know the, what we were like three or four months where everything was just like oh my god like this will just never end I mean, yeah i've seen i've seen all i love 1980s nba but like i had i had seen my fill at that point i wonder if i'm only saying that because the bears still have a winning record <laughs> which brings me to the question i've asked everyone i've already asked you this last time we talked which is two weeks ago you said the bears will end the season 10 and 6 are you sticking with that prediction um, I'm gonna I'm gonna lower it to nine and seven. Yeah, that's a after good call. after la- after last night's game. You said that they will make the playoffs with Foles behind center. Do you still stand by that? Yes, and primarily because the NFC East. <laughs> yeah, totally. Uh, you also said that the Super Bowl between the Chiefs and the Packers. You went with the Packers. Are you sticking with that lineup? I'm I'm sticking with that lineup. Yes, okay. for the time being. And yeah. same winner. Um. Yes. Good for you. You uh, you think you're gonna watch any more games this year? Yeah, I think so. <laughs> um, no, I mean, I, I, I like. I mean, I like some of the storylines they're developing. You know, I mean, like as as much as as uh, Brady is this sort of villain, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, his story is fascinating. I mean, it. I mean, the the team seems to click more with him, and now like they add Antonio Brown to the mix, and there's all kinds of like bad mojo there. Oh yeah, you know, is that gonna is that gonna backfire? Okay, so. Is it going to be the evil trick? But (laughs) you are a bigger baseball. I I think it's fair to say you're a bigger baseball fan than a football fan. Uh, Tonight is game six of the World Series. Uh, It might be decided tonight. It might not be decided in two days. It's against Tampa Bay and L.A. Who are you hoping wins? So I I am rooting for the Rays in this case because I – and. I'm sympathetic to um, two Dodger fans um, a, a long time ago. Not anymore. Uh, she's more of a Diamondbacks fan now, uh, but my mom was a, a Dodgers fan when she was growing up because she liked the Brooklyn Dodgers. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, you know, that transferred to LA um, in when I was a kid, you know, for some reason that, that visceral choice that your brain makes in a, when you're watching your first kind of world series, whatever. Um, but it was a, it was a Yankees Dodgers world series. Mm -hmm. And I just automatically started rooting for the Dodgers. I liked that team of, you know, Steve Garvey, Davey Lopes, Dusty Baker, Ron say, uh, Jerry Royce, you know, all, all those types. Um, I, I don't like them anymore okay. <laughs> because they because they they keep beating the, they kept beating the Nationals until uh, till last year in the playoffs, um, but I don't I don't bear any like ill will towards like Clayton Kershaw or anything. I don't hate any of these guys. Okay. I just don't want them to win. That's fair. Um, and I like I kind of like Tampa Bay. Like they they it would be nice to see a team that you know exists in such a different universe as the Dodgers win because it if you watch them it's just like they're incredibly entertaining to watch and they do it with like a fraction of the payroll because they're yeah. just really dedicated to their model of analytics and and you know coaching people up and, and getting them out there and I think they're just a fascinating thing and also like the trop- Tropicana field is such a, a bizarre place on earth I mean I just it eventually it will be imploded and they'll build some something in like you know Ybor City or whatever in, in Tampa but right now like that place is just like like it's just a, a spaceship that crashed a long time ago, and it's the and... second lowest attended uh, stadium <laughs> in Major League Baseball, only behind the Miami Marlins, who also made it to the playoffs and beat my Chicago Cubs. Yes, yes, uh, but I'm happy I, for I, them because the Cubs don't deserve anything for political reasons. Moving on, so <laughs> the reason why I ask is is because Tampa Bay could go three for three in major teams if yeah. 
the Rays take it, and the do you want that to happen, or are you rooting for any team but the Bucks so it won't be a triple crown? Um, I'm not rooting for any team but the Bucks, but for for my purposes, I would like to see. Um, I I would my the team that I feel the closest to is not the Washington football team, uh, and it's not even the Cardinals, even though I, I grew up in in uh, partially in Phoenix because we didn't really get them that much. But I, I just have this thing for the Saints, um, so I would. And and because like you know Tampa Bay and, and New Orleans are NFC South rivals, mm-hmm. I got to go with the Saints over the Bucks. But I, it wouldn't kill me to see you know a, a triple crown on that. I mean it, it it would be a nice it would be a nice narrative, uh, and it also would have the COVID asterisk. <laughs> Speaking of the COVID asterisk, let's end with this. In your roll call piece, you mentioned that you got a piece of essentially paraphernalia when you went to Nats Park. What was on your wrist? So yeah, they, they um, when the board of elections person met us uh, to to take uh, myself and and the uh, roll call photographer Tom Williams in to watch people set up and so forth, you know they did a temperature check, which is more than I've gotten at the uh, United States Capitol, <laughs> um, and and then they gave us a wristbands so that they would you know the Nationals team staff would know that we're we were on the up and up, and uh, the they were where they will have the early voting is in the diamond club, which is right behind home plate. And it's a nice, you know, kind of little area where you can kind of lounge about the the PNC diamond club. And uh, they, so they gave us a wristband for the diamond club for the Dodgers nationals game of April 21st, 2020, a game that did not happen. Uh, And so I, I, I admire the nationals for not letting anything go to waste. You, you know, just using things like that, which is a good, uh, good thing. And also, it just was this sort of weird, poignant, and sad reminder of what we lost. You know, are you going to keep that wristband? Oh hell yeah! 